0: how we doing welcome bike welcome bike welcome bike welcome bike monday afternoon we're doing this every single monday around 2 p.m eastern time so make sure you subscribe make sure you got notifications on and make sure if you're not an underdog they hit you with a free play literally every single day. They got them for three different Sundays, the 1 p.m., the 4 p.m., the Sunday night football slate, Monday night football slate, the Thursday night football slate. It doesn't matter when you sign up. If you're a first-time depositor and you use our code BDGE, BDGE, they're going to give you an absolutely free play. At the end of this video, this video, we're going to be recapping every single game in week eight. There were no buys. There were no buys. So this is going to be a long video. Everybody just sit back, tuck your shirt in, Tuck your shirts in and just relax. Just sit here with old Uncle Nikki and uh, listen to us yell for quite a while. That's what we're that's what we're going to be doing. But at the end of the video, I will jump back into underdog. So if we want to talk about some guys that we could play with Jared Goff for tonight's game, this game is tonight. Detroit versus Las Vegas. We'll hit some other uh, underdog props in that one. How's everybody doing? How is everybody doing? We had some brutal injuries this week. We had we had no bye weeks, which is uh, kind of weird, right, because we're in the midst of the season. You kind of think once they start going, they just get rolling. If we're looking at next week, the bye weeks are the Broncos, the Lions, the 49ers, and the Jags. So we've got four teams on bye. That becomes problematic. Those are some good teams right there. Those are a lot of good players, okay? Um, what else? Do we have any, like, housekeeping things? I, I feel like I had one or two things that I wanted to talk about, Um at the beginning of the video, but I can't quite remember. There's a lot of injuries. We'll talk about all the injuries. We'll talk about all the fantasy takeaways. We will talk about, um, everything in between. Okay. Trade targets, all that kind of shit. Could have sworn there was something else that I needed to talk about. All right there. Can't believe you telling me to start. Will Levis while severely hungover was a good take. So I'm still sick. It turns out I was not, um, I wasn't, I wasn't really hung over. Like I did drink the night before. I did go to a lot of different Halloween parties, but I, I just got sick. It was kind of weird. It was like, so we were out and then I got home. It wasn't even really that late. It was, um, I don't know, maybe 1am or so. And then by like 2am when I was trying to go to sleep, my nose was just completely shut off. Like no air can go in or out of it. It was wild. It happened within like a 30 minute span. And then my whole like Brain just been congested since then. But yesterday I just slept, watched football, ate, slept more, took like three naps. It was the most I slept over a weekend and probably since I was like 22 years old. And I'm 23 right now. So, you know, no big deal. But you're all right. Let's get into the games then. let's get into them games. Let's set it up. How do we want to set this up? Um Start with Thursday Night Football. Let's so move the camera over to me. Bang. All right. So we'll start with Thursday night football. Uh, we had the Bucks and the Bills. And I think, listen, with all these games, I'm just going through the biggest takeaways for fantasy. I don't want to touch on every player if they're not necessarily um if they're not necessarily relevant. So I think the biggest takeaways were on the Bills side of the things. We had Dawson Knox miss his first game, and now we're asking man... What's going to happen with Dalton Kincaid? Dalton Kincaid, five for 65 and a touchdown, right? So he follows his game up. He follows the big first game up with this game. And now he's looking like an absolute, um, looking like an absolute snack in every fantasy lineup as we thought he would be preseason. It took us to get Dawson Knox off the field to be that dude. Now, the other big takeaway here, I'm starting to, um, I drop waiver wire rankings every Tuesday, right? They go live at 12 p.m. Eastern time. You can only get them if you are a big dog member. So you go over to bdge.co and you sign up to be a big dog member and I have waiver wire rankings for every position, flex, quarterback, defense, all that kind of shit. But I'm starting to write little notes in for each player. And what that forces me to do is go kind of in depth on every single player and look at like what the bigger picture is here. Because not only is Dalton Kincaid running amok out here, but the Buffalo Bills now went from a team that ran two tight end sets pretty heavily, this week in particular, they ran three wide receiver sets in 75% of their dropbacks and 75% of their plays overall. And 12 personnel, which is two tight ends, 12 personnel is two tight ends, two wide receivers, one running back, 12 personnel, zero times, zero times. That's typically anywhere from a fifth to a quarter or a third of their plays. Without Dawson Knox, they did not do that. You could see how condensed their target share is, right? It's Diggs and Davis as the one and two. Kincaid's getting valuable targets. And then Khalil Shakir is obviously the guy that we want to touch on here. Khalil Shakir went from a guy running thirty to four percent of the snaps to now they're running three wide receiver sets with one tight end, no 12 tight end sets 75% of the time. And he's running a route on 75% of the dropbacks. So he is clearly in line to be the third wide receiver in an offense that can now really spread the ball around, right? They were running and gunning and they were doing no huddle and they looked really good so this buffalo offense being condensed is fantastic for fantasy shakir is a dude that absolutely needs to be picked up on waiver wires obviously josh allen throwing the ball 40 times is not typically what we've kind of seen throughout the year so far you see the splits there he threw the ball 40 times and then running backs carry the ball 19 times in total that's not usually what we get from buffalo and those types of passing attempts tend to inflate the target numbers of the receivers Diggs' his targets are going to stay gabe davis is going to have games where he has four targets obviously this was a big game for him shakir caught all six so very efficient but that should earn him more play time you're starting kincaid no doubt you're starting Diggs. davis is a good start week in and week out because of the upside he brings shakir is a dude that for sure should be rostered and of course of course we would be remiss not to mention old uncle lenny there was news that broke about 20 minutes ago that leonard fournette Just signed with the Buffalo Bills. He's getting put on their practice squad. He will eventually work his way up to uh, the active roster, I'm assuming. Now, I think this is like a little bit of a combination of Damian Harris obviously being on the IR. They want someone to share the carries with Latavius Murray because Latavius Murray, listen, as cool as he's been, as a little ad he's been for like Buffalo, guys like that don't have a long leash. Like Latavius Murray's been cool, right? But then you see this game where he goes five for seven. 1.4 yards per carry and they're like all right we probably need a different dimension to our running game we don't want to give James Cook 20 carries we want to split that with somebody else but we need that other person to be efficient and they were hoping it was going to be Damian Harris now they're hoping it's Leonard Fournette Leonard Fournette was awful with the Bucks last year uh, on the ground that offense overall was probably the worst run game in the entirety of the NFL Some of that has to do with the offensive line. Some of that has to do with just the runners that they had. Fournette, Rashad White is clearly not a great runner on the ground. They didn't really have anything else. So can Lenny come in and score touchdowns for Buffalo? Yeah, maybe. Will he ever get more than like 10 touches in a game? Doubtful. Like James Cook has been perfect for what they've wanted him to be. He's a guy who's like pretty much averaging five yards per carry on early downs. It's not great for fantasy, of course. But I don't really see Leonard Fournette coming in here and being anything more than like sifting through carries with him and Latavius Mark. So Fournette is not like a top waiver wire pickup for me this week in general is such a bad waiver wire week. I, like I said, I started doing my rankings cause I do the video that comes out tomorrow. Um, so if you want more in-depth stuff, obviously you can sign up to be a big dog member, but I do put out a waiver wire ranking video every Tuesday, um, you know, somewhere from like 11 to 12 PM, 11 AM, 12 PM Eastern time. So make sure you subscribe to the channel for that. And, in that, we'll go more in depth, and I'll talk more about Lenny. I'll dive into some more numbers like tonight, and you know, solidify my stance on it. But right now, my my first take is like, if Lenny was really any good, still, one, Tampa Bay probably would have resigned him. Two, some team would have scooped him up at any time during the entire first half of the season. Right? They needed like Latavius Murray to be terrible. They needed Damien Harris to hit the IR. Yeah, I'm, I'm I'm just not I'm just not seeing it with Uncle Len. The Rams and the Cowboys. This was an absolute schlacking. The biggest takeaways here, Stafford sprains his thumb. Now, apparently the x-rays are negative, so nothing broken. Might not need surgery. We'll have to wait and see what's going on with uh, Stafford. Because obviously if he's out, everybody's free-falling. Cup free-fall. Puka free-fall. Anything that you had in the backfield, absolute fucking free-fall there. So, um, this is really bad. We just got to kind of wait on Stafford's thumb. And the problem the problem is, too, like, even if he ends up playing next week or what, what's their schedule, like, the Rams play next week? They got to have a bye coming up soon, I think. Or wait, did Cup come back after the bye? I don't remember. Whatever the case may be. If Stafford plays with the thumb, if it's not, like, 100% because it's on the throwing hand, I feel like we're probably going to see some bad games. And then we're going to continue to blame it on the thumb. And, like, we should have known better already, so it's problematic uh the backfield right now dr Henderson obviously made more explosive plays for the most part he had three for 54 in the passing game but they're they're in a split and the problem comes when they got into the goal line this is something i was saying like i wanted henderson more but we never know like who is going to be the one to get the goal line carry you're looking at like kyron williams's role but split between two people and not knowing who's gonna get the goal line carry royce freeman was the guy who got it this week ended up scoring the touchdown and now you're behind maybe not matt stafford uh, Brett Rippian probably becomes a quarterback I don't know what's going on with Stenson Bennett I would love to see Stenson Bennett be the QB here but he's going through some off the field shit I don't know something traumatic's happening in his life I would love to be a fly on the wall in his therapy sessions but we're not going to get that info from him so it doesn't look like Stenson Bennett is uh, prepared to play anytime soon So if Stafford's back on the field, I think I I downgrade everybody in this offense regardless because Stafford's probably going to be less than 100% with his throwing hand. If he's not playing, obviously, everybody takes a free fall. Cooper Cup's still going to be startable. He's still going to lead the team in targets. Also, like, Sean McVay's not a dude that just throws the season in. He doesn't just throw the towel. You know what I mean? Like, he's still going to try to compete. If Brett Rippians the QB, I don't think that means, like, all right, now we're only going to have Royce Freeman and DeRoy Henderson touch the ball. They're still going to try to throw the ball. Like, he's such a good schematic coach that a lot of the time he'll probably be able to scheme these guys open to the point where he feels comfortable enough that Brett Rippian can let it rip a little while. So I still think Cooper Cup is startable. I still think Puka is kind of startable, like flex play-ish, but it's bad for the whole team. On the flip side, uh, everything kind of just happened how Dallas would have liked to have happened preseason. Dak, 304, best game of the year probably that's now quietly been the QB one or a top three quarterback in fantasy two out of the last four weeks. He was the week one. He was the QB one in week six. He's the QB three barring Monday night football right now. Um, So he's been kind of turning it up and this team looks a lot better. CD lamb is running a lot of routes from the outside, which is good. And we're getting a lot of deep targets because of it. He had, you know, probably if not one of his best days as a pro, Uh, cooks four targets, Jake Ferguson, four targets gal, like nothing really else from the, those guys got in the end zone. So we're excited about it. But if they didn't get in the end zone, we wouldn't be excited about it. Don't feel confident about anybody besides CD Tony Pollard. I don't really know what to say. He wasn't a guy that I was like overly high on. It was a guy that I was very hesitant to, um, like trade for, or really get some positive vibes going when it comes to dynasty, because he is on the older side when it comes to like running backs that you'd want to trade for, invest in. And I said, if he has like somewhat of a down season, like there's no way Dallas is going to give him a fat contract extension. So he's kind of in flux right now. Um, he's not performing well. They're not using him in a great role. Like they're not getting him targets. He has not been making any sort of explosive plays. So right now, like I think you, I think you keep starting him just because any given week you're you're going to sit him in the week that he has like 150 yards and two touchdowns. But there are definitely a lot of better options than Tony P right now and again like this is something i said in the trade target video last wednesday i wish there was like how fantasy pros does their expert consensus ranking tournament thing like i wish there was a way to build i'm sure there is it's probably not that hard but like a trade target algorithm where people put in you know their their top 5 or top 10 trade targets for the week it could be five buy by lows five sell highs and then based on like how they perform relative to where they rank at the point of you saying that like every week everybody's like tony pollard buy low and then based on like what his price is if he was the rb4 and you're buying him at like rb7 based on where he finishes the next few weeks like you should get penalized or there should be a point system based on like where you're telling people to buy or sell players um i'd love to see that because tony pollard would be the most costly motherfucker ever in trade target content pieces he's not been good and i can't sit here and say that i expect him to get much much better though dallas's schedule i want to say it gets much easier like they played a lot of really really tough um a lot of really really tough games up to this point they play the eagles next week which is really tough but then they get the giants the panthers the commanders the seahawks eagles again it gets a little bit harder um but three out of the next four matchups are kind of cakey so i guess you know if you want to wait for a one more bad game for pollard and then try to buy uh, up to you, but again, it, it gets a little a little tough over the, the the stretch run here. Bills aren't a great defense with all the injuries, though. Dolphins are terrible. Lions are really good, but it's a mix and match. Vikings and Packers. Obviously, the biggest takeaway here is Kirkie uh, tears is Achilles. He'll be out for the season. I will say, if you're in dynasty, man, I I would throw. I don't know if this is realistic at all. If anyone would actually do this, but I don't know. Maybe throw a third throw, see if you can uh go throw your third to the Kirk owner. I, w- I would be comfortable enough to go throw like a late second to the Kirk owner and see if you could pick up Kirk for Dynasty. I think he'll be back next year. This is not like a running back. Kirk is already like the least explosive player in the NFL. He does not need explosiveness to be a good quarterback or to just be like whatever he was up to this point. And Kirk's been one of the most consistent QBs in the NFL, not just this year, but like over the last – Damn near a fucking decade at this point, dude. Kirk has low-key put together such a good career going back to Washington. Dude had like almost damn near a 5,000-yard passing season in Washington. And he's just put up statistics, man. For as much hate hate as he gets, basically every team that's not like a top 6-7 team in the NFL would gladly take Kirk as a QB. And this is kind of devastating as a Falcon fan because I actually thought he'd be a target for us in the offseason because he's basically playing on a contract year. Gets a little dicey whether or not they're going to Um, invest back into him on maybe like a one-year prove-it deal. But Kirk was playing so well, and now we look at the rest of the team, and it's like, of course, it's going to be a huge downgrade. Jaron Hall is going to be one of those dudes that just comes in and probably plays like Zach Wilson level of ball, where the best he can do is really kind of just like dump the ball off or complete very short passes. The offense cannot run through him, but the offense can't run through anybody because Madison and Cam Akers are both playing shitty ball. Uh, It's going to be a mess here in Minnesota, and that kind of begs a case like, What happens to Justin Jefferson? Does he come back now? And I thought it was a lock for him to come back because Kirk was there and playing really well and they started winning a bunch of games. But now, I don't know. I really don't know. Do they make a move? Oh, the trade deadline. That was the other thing I wanted to fucking talk about pre-video. That was the other thing I was fucking yapping about but didn't get to actually yap about. Trade deadline is tomorrow. I think it's at 4 p.m. I I feel like every deadline's at 4 p.m. Eastern time in the NFL. The trade deadline is tomorrow. And, you know, every year there's a bunch of flashy names kind of thrown around in the rumor report or whatever. I don't think there's going to be a lot of big flashy names uh, thrown around. I don't really think there will be a lot of quarterbacks thrown around. The the problem with, like, right now is, is um, this injury just happened, and they have, what, like 48 hours? Anything they do at this point I feel like will be such a dramatic uh, pivot away from what they were doing that it doesn't really seem likely. You know, like, they were... They're not favorites to really make the playoffs to begin with right now. If they had to rebuild and like trade for a QB, I think all that's way more speculation than anything based in reality. I don't think there's going to be a lot of running backs move like Derek Henry's not going to move. Saquon's not going to move. Um, I don't know. We'll see some defensive players probably move. Maybe we'll see one of the Broncos wide receivers move judy or sutton um i'm hoping the falcons pick up montez sweat from washington now that grady jarrett's out for the year that that those feel like probably the biggest moves It doesn't really feel like a very splashy trade deadline despite some of the names being thrown around so it's it's not good in minnesota man it, it's a big hit to everybody that's been playing well osborne hawkinson addison all guys that have been really really solid fantasy producers for you it gets ugly very very quick on the flip side man i, I don't really know what to say about jordan love but He's he's played poorly. This team's played poorly. Um, do I want to give up on him yet? Not really, man. I really don't. I, I think the situation is it, it, it was fun and flashy to look at from the outside. But at the end of the day, you have your best offensive player in Aaron Jones pretty much hurt for the entirety of the year. Like I said, on Sunday's or Saturday's sit stream show or sit star show I was very hesitant to play him because they clearly said he was less than 100 percent, even being off the injury report. That was something that Matt LaFleur came out and said. He was like, yeah, they're still less than 100%, um, and we're going to treat him as such. So this kind of split of seven carries to six and not being super involved in the passing game or not seeing anything explosive. He still looks fine, but they're not using him the way that we like Aaron Jones. So you have your best players, clearly limited, missed already half the season. Uh, Christian Watson has missed half the season. So you're relying on Jaden Reed, Dontavian Wicks, a six-round pick. Like, I get it. Jordan Loves looked really bad at times. But if you really, really look at the supporting cast, it's not good. Their best offensive lineman, David Bakhtiari, is out for the year too. Like there, there's not a ton that he can make out of the ingredients that he has right now. So we'll see. I want to say like right now they're sitting as a top five or six pick. Um, they're two and five. It's not good. But I can't imagine it's going to get any worse than what it is right now. I like Jaden Reed a lot, but he's relatively versatile. Um, Aaron Jones is he's one of those guys that like at this point you kind of got to see it before you throw him into your lineup same thing with christian watson man almost leads the team in targets but like what does that amount to they're not connecting on any deep balls it's gross i don't i don't know who i like re i feel like every player in the green bay offense is kind of like a desperate flex start jane reed watson dobbs aaron jones all four of them are dudes that are like probably top 35 36 in their position in the rankings maybe 40 ish That I don't feel good about, but like maybe they can have a big day. But like, how are you going to predict which of those four is going to have the big day? It's gross, man. It's not good. This is also not good. This is also not good that we lose to Will Levis in his first career start. A lot to take away here. Let's start with the injuries. We have Drake London has a a minor groin injury. It's possible that he plays next week, so uh, we'll just have to keep an eye on reports there. Desmond Ritter went into concussion protocol when they came out of halftime. Apparently, he cleared concussion protocol, but similar to like what happened with Deshaun Watson last week, they just came out and Arthur Smith was like, we just felt better about not putting him back in the game, said it wasn't a benching, said it was more of a precautionary injury thing. He was asked today if Ritter was going to start this week, didn't give us a real answer whatsoever, just fucking yapping, yapping, yapping with fake answers given to us. So we don't know who's gonna start. We win this game. Taylor Heineke wins this game for us for sure if we don't just let up four fucking bombs from Will Levis. I think Heineke gives us a better chance to win the game. I don't think Ritter's played like as poor we I'm not gonna say like we have unlucky breaks, but like we the turnovers are things that I think are fixable, right? Like a lot of the 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 bad things that happen to Atlanta are fixable things. Like the fumbles and just, like, where the fumbles happen are, again, not unlucky, but, like, fixable, right? If, like, everything – and Ritter – listen, Ritter makes bad decisions. Ritter throws terrible balls. A lot of time, like, his ball placement, his lack of, like, arm strength, those are not fixable things. But we can win a lot more games by not fucking fumbling within the five-yard line, by not fumbling the ball out of the end zone for touchbacks. Like, we're a different team if those things don't happen, and I think Desmond Ritter has been – an okay player up to that point takes a lot of sacks all that kind of shit this is all just to say i'm not like rooting for ritter i obviously am as a falcons fan like i want him to be good i'm not uh, i'm trying to look at this unbiasedly as a a fantasy person um i don't think this means whatsoever that Taylor heineke is like the guy rest of the season it would not surprise me whatsoever desmond ritter is the starter next week that's all i'm getting to okay do I want to see Heineke? Yes. Do I feel like we're going to? Complete coin flip right now. Ritter's healthy. Ritter's fine. He's not hurt. He cleared the concussion protocol. So I don't um I don't think that is gonna have anything to do with anything. It's more of just a coaching decision at this point. It's more of a do we want to abandon the plan of seeing what we have in Desmond Ritter to try to find a way to get into the playoffs? Because we know Taylor Heineke's not the future. Do we know that Desmond Ritter is for sure not the future? And I think it's very easy to make fun of him and say, like, yes, we know for sure. And, yeah, it fucking feels that way. But I also think a few unlucky breaks, a few things go differently here and there, and we're maybe a 6-2 and team, leading the division by a lot. Not a good schedule, obviously. We're not beating the shit out of, like, a lot of good teams. But that's the NFL, man. You just win the games that are put in front of you. What else are we going to do? We want to retroactively go back and beg for harder fucking games? No. We're just playing the games that are put in front of us and doing what we got to do. So we're just an inconsistent team, man. That, that, that's what our roster is. When you have a shitty quarterback, when you have a shitty quarterback play, when you have a lack of pass rush, when you have some good, some bad, whatever, you're just going to have inconsistent play, man. It's just what happens. Lord, Tennessee, let's talk about Will Levis. Let's talk about Will Levis. Now, the thumbnail and the title of this video Suggest that I'm all in on Will Levis. Suggest that there's no better player in the NFL than Will Levis. Suggest that Will Levis is a bona fide hit. He's a hit maker. He went to Hit Boy before the game. Asked him for a beat and spazzed on it. I'm not gonna go that far. Um what I will say, it was fun to see Will Levis play, despite it being against my Falcons. You know what this reminded me of? I'm going to talk about Will Levis for a while here. Will Levis was a dude that everybody in the preseason fucking hated. Every Dynasty player hated Will Levis. And my take was like every single time we do this to a big quarterback, this is on record. This is in like 90% of my fucking Dynasty videos this offseason. Every single time we hate a big strong-arm quarterback that ends up getting good capital and we know is going to be a starter eventually, we're wrong about it. You know, it's happened with Josh Allen. It happened with Justin Hurt. Like, it continues to happen over and over and over and, over and over and over and over and over and over and over over again. And no one seems to learn the fucking lesson here. Um, So, just another, you know, just another guy in line that, here's the thing. Even if Will Levis is not a hit, his trade value, just after this game, went up from, like, probably, I don't know, QB 28 in Dynasty. He's got to be a top 20 QB at this point. Uh, Keep trade cut. Let's let's check it out. (laughs) It might take a minute to like reprocess the rankings. Let's see. Yeah, it's going to take, I think, a little bit to um to actually move up the correct rankings and everything. But Will Levis already up to QB 21. He's over Daniel Jones. He's over Geno Smith. He's over Baker. He's over Derek Carr, Russell Wilson, Desmond, like all these guys. And this is for sure just a product of yesterday, as you can see his chart here. His value was at an all-time low and then shot up to borderline an all-time high right now. Will Levis, what this game kind of reminded me of, what this game kind of reminded me of was the preseason game that the Steelers and Kenny Pickett had against the Atlanta Falcons. Kenny Pickett, there was no more there was no player more electrifying than Kenny Pickett in the preseason this year, this year. Kenny Pickett was a first team all-Pro based on this summer. He had a game against the Falcons where he commanded two drives both of them had like pinpoint accuracy deep balls on them where we just got shredded through the air against the Falcons. That time, he was playing against like third-string QBs. Everybody fell in love with Kane Pickett in that moment. This reminded me a little bit of that. Will Levis' entire game on Sunday was either passes behind the line of scrimmage or shots downfield. Shots downfield are not predictable predictive, projectable, and most of all, consistent. So had Kenny Pickett not completed one or both of those balls, which for the most part are like the chances when you throw the ball deep in the NFL, the completion rate on them is typically from like anywhere from depending how good the quarterback is, like 33% up to 50% if you're really good, right? Really, really good. He completes both of them. If he has two incompletions on those, right, a receiver drops one, maybe there's a, a, a defensive pass interference or something like that and doesn't go into the box score, people are looking at Pickett completely differently. They are not looking at him the same way that they did going into the season, which was clear breakout incoming. Will Levis, he absolutely put every ball on a dot, on a seam, on a line, on a fucking string. And he looked great doing it coming into the year. He always had a cannon of an arm. That was one of his like high upside traits, similar to Justin Herbert coming out. Everyone was like, "He's so inconsistent, uh, but he's got a monster arm. We'll see what happens. We'll see how he develops. Will Levis always had that. Will Levis was also very athletic. He dealt with, he had a great junior season statistically. And then he had a high ankle sprain his senior year, which really slowed him down as fucked up his, um his statistics for sure. And that was something that I wrote deeply about in our rookie draft guide which you know we write up every single fantasy relevant prospect and I did the Will Levis profile and I liked Will Levis a lot more than most people did and it was because of these high end traits these high end traits though are not consistent they're not things that you can project they all came together in this one and I you got to give him credit like he looked fucking incredible in this game putting it on the dot and these are things that will happen but I saw um or I heard a stat and I don't know how this is true. I, I genuinely don't know how this is true. The Tennessee Titans. I think this is. This, I had to have misheard this. I had to have. But I remember I stopped and rewound it and listened to it again. This is from the Athletic podcast, fucking that came out last night slash this morning. The Tennessee Titans passing offenses EPA was the second lowest in the NFL this week. Their EPA on passing situations was the second lowest in the NFL. Only in front of the New York Giants. I don't understand how that is correct based on looking at Will Levis's game. I'm going to have to go go back and re-listen to that again. I I think it probably is because it lacks consistency, if it is anywhere near that. It lacks consistency in what he was doing on his throws. He also had a nice throw down to Traylon Burks, who stepped out of bounds that would have had another long pass. So I don't want to read too much into that, but this entire spiel is just to say, like, Let's not get too high on him. It was a fucking awesome start for Will Levis. If I'm a Titans fan, I'm absolutely fired the fuck up. You know, now you can compete. There's no way Derrick Henry goes anywhere now based off of this because this is a formula. Derrick, Derrick Henry touches the ball 25 times. Will Levis takes shots down the field, something that Tannehill, you're basically getting like a rejuvenated, higher trait version of Ryan Tannehill in Will Levis. A dude that's mobile, sneaky, athletic, is tough, can take shots down the field. You probably don't want to run the offense through him, but if you do, you can win games that way. So let's let's not let's not overreact here. Let's not go wild on it, but let's just say like great first start. Great fucking first start for Will Levis. They play on Thursday night football, I think. D Hop had a monster game, caught four balls. Three of them went for touchdowns, but he looked great as well. Um, nobody else in the passing game got home. I want to say the Titans play on Thursday night. Against the Steelers Kenny Pickett's dealing with an injury Which we'll get to in a little bit I'd be yapping on this one, huh? I feel like we are like three games in The Saints, biggest takeaway Derek Carr kind of pops off again Taysom Hill is, is, you know There's nothing more I can really say here About Taysom Hill He's been kind of like a must-start tight end I feel like for weeks in a row now he just Guy just gets it done one way or another 44 yards passing, 63 yards on the ground Two touchdowns Catches the ball for 14 yards He just gets it how he lives it, man there will never be any sort of predictability of how he gets it done, but he continues to get it done because his touches come in really valuable parts of the field, and he's very much a real part of this offense. Even with Jawan Johnson returned, um, Foster Moreau is playing. Like, Taysom Hill is very much here to stay. So if he's available on your wire, he of course he needs to be picked up. Kamara has another monster game. Jamal Williams not really playing a factor. Nobody in the backfield is playing a fa- factor besides Kamara. Alave, another down game, man. Leads the team in targets, but not connecting on anything deep, not involved in the red zone. It's definitely time to worry. Yeah, for sure. It's definitely time to worry. He's just not getting it done. He's not getting it done anywhere near to the level of where he was drafted. Uh, Rashid Heat. This one's kind of weird, dude. Like, So he goes three for 153 and one touchdown. Three targets. Catches all three of them. Averages 51 yards per catch. Scores a long touchdown. The last two weeks, right? last well, two weeks, he actually had a big game two weeks ago. He's connected on a deep touchdown. And then I'm excited about playing him against, I think it was Jacksonville. Or did he have the big game against Jacksonville? I can't remember. But he plays, he runs 80 plus percent of the snaps two weeks ago. He runs 80 plus percent of the snaps last week. So we're like, okay, she needs a full-time player, but he didn't produce last week at all. He flopped. We're like, okay, we're getting a, at least a lot of play time. Hopefully the big games are coming. This week he plays or he runs around on like 50% of the drop back. His play time went down significantly, but he exploded for this game. So it's really hard to fucking tell. Like there's just no predictability behind Rashid Jaheed, both his workload and his production. He's just a boomer bust like wide receiver three that I don't know. Like these games will come and, and they'll help you win a week. But I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Take it for what it is. The Colts. The Colts have just become a shootout team. You, like, just want to play all your players against the Indianapolis Colts. And it's leading to good offensive days for all of their players as well. Um, Jonathan Taylor looked really, really good on the ground. Unfortunately, he did not get the touchdown. That was Zach Moss's. Zach Moss also um, kind of equal parts in the receiving game there. So there's still a split, man. I've, I've been saying this. Zach Moss continues to be, like, a, a, a buy for me because he's just going to give you flex-worthy numbers. He continues to put up, like, 10 to 13 fantasy points a game. And people will continue to sell him They They think he's irrelevant with JT there, but it's just not like they just clearly don't want to um, run that workload all through JT. And I don't I don't blame him, man. Zach Moss is playing really well. Josh Downs also playing really well. Again, another game with Josh Downs or uh, with Gardner Minshew where he's racking in big plays. He was averaging over 17 PPR fantasy points per game in the three weeks leading up to this one. Has another 14 plus uh, PPR fantasy point game. Josh Down gets it done. Michael Pittman, eight for 40 and a touchdown. So yards wasn't there, but he's an every week start. So is uh, Josh Down's at this point in PPR leagues. Pats and Dolphins. This one went predictably. Everybody on the Pats absolutely stinks, I will say. Kind of a tough break for Kendrick Bourne. He was playing really well. Uh, he tears his ACL, so he's done for the year. Devontae Parker also got banged up in this game. I, I don't remember what the extent of the injury is, but what it does do is it opens up the doorway for a couple other players here um the only one i'd really keep an eye on is demario douglas they seem to have taken a real liking to this kid led the team in targets seven uh seven targets five catches for 25 yards he played at liberty six round pick this year as you can see he's more of like that slot type 5 eight, 192 pounds but he's a little he's kind of electric let's um Let's look at the athleticism profile that he has. He ran a 444 40-yard dash. His burst score, y'all can't see this. Let me move over here. Burst score in the 96th percentile. So he's got a little spark to him. He's got something to him. He was a big-time producer in college, as you could see. 30.6% college target share, 91st percentile. They, they, they very clearly like this kid. He makes the roster, obviously, as an undersized six-round guy. Um so there's something there with Demario Douglas. He's someone that I would be looking for on the waiver wire if I need some wide receiver help. Juju's disgusting. Everybody else on this team is disgusting. Ramonjo Stevenson, disgusting. Everything is fucking disgusting. Uh as the opposite of Miami, where everything is wonderful. We saw some Jeff Wilson action, but Domana Chan is going to be back soon and nothing matters there besides Tua, Raheem, Waddle Hill. The Jets, Giants, I I uh I really, I I just don't know. Um This was like pretty much statistically the worst passing game, probably of all time. Like, genuinely, the worst passing game of all time the Giants had. Negative nine yards. Tyrod gets hurt. Tommy DeVito comes in. But Daniel Jones will be back next week. I'm not like that. That does nothing for me. It doesn't. There was not an ounce of emotion that went through my body when I said that. Saquon Barkley had damn near 40 fucking touches. He had 41 opportunities. He only caught three balls of the five targets, so he had 39 touches. You're only playing Saquon Barkley. Darren Waller also re-pulled his hamstring, so he's going to be out multiple weeks, most likely. Uh, That shot right there. Maybe Daniel Bellinger. Daniel Bellinger and Daniel Jones had a little bit of a little uh, chemistry last year at some point before Daniel Bellinger's eyeball basically popped out. So maybe, maybe in super deep leagues, tight end premium leagues, whatever, Danny B, Dynasty League is available on the waiver wire, some shit like that. But nothing else really to be said there. On the Jets side, you're starting Brees Hall as a high-end RB1 every single week. Garrett Wilson gets it gets it done, 7 for 100 on 13 targets. I Yeah, that's it. You start Brees Hall, you start Garrett Wilson, that's it. Jaguar Steelers. Jag's just looking like one of the best teams in the NFL, thanks to Travis Etienne for the most part. Um, Tank Bigsby has been Tank Bigsby low-key might might be having like one of, if not the worst, running back season in the NFL. This dude looks bad every time he plays. He can't hold on to the fucking ball. He can't catch balls. He fumbles everything. He can't run for more than like two yards a pop. He stinks, and it's led to Travis Etienne just taking over the NFL. A buck fifty from scrimmage another touchdown this guy is just a scoring machine he's been so fucking good he is like clearly by far and away the rb2 behind uh christian mccaffrey this year so if you have etn there are definitely teams that have both christian mccaffrey and etn and y'all are eating y'all are eating the rest of the receiver room is kind of eating out there in jacksonville ingram 10 for 88 ridley had a a little bit of a bounce back game christian kirk kind of flopped but we kind of saw that coming we were we were high on ridley going into the week just based on the way that pittsburgh plays defense so nothing really to take away here takeaways for the Steelers: kenny pickett hurts himself a little bit he's got a rib contusion i think um they play on thursday night so can't rule him out but it is probably unlikely he plays trubisky comes in throws two picks they're just – it doesn't really matter at this point in the passing game. Deontay Johnson gets targeted at an insane rate. Uh, again, this is something I've said for two weeks, but I'm super, super comfortable playing Deontay Johnson every single week. George Pickens is a wide receiver, three-ish. He'll have big games or big plays, et cetera. But the uh, nature of this offense is just so inconsistent that Deontay Johnson, who gets target around the line of scrimmage, is kind of the only guy you could trust. The running backs are disgusting as well. Eagles – And the Commandos. Eagles had a huge game. Swift had a good game. Got into the end zone. A.J. Brown had a monster game. Devonta Smith had a nice little bounce back game. Nothing really to talk about on the Philly side, I don't think. Uh, On the Washington side, there are some takeaways here. So Sam Howell, 397 and four touchdowns. That's a wild stat line for him. But that's kind of what he's been doing, man. I looked at the stats today. He is the wide receiver eight or the uh, quarterback eight right now in fantasy. Sam Howell is the quarterback eight. In fantasy right now. Ahead of a lot of your favorite quarterbacks. It's crazy because um all offseason, like my, my best ball strategy was I'm getting a quarterback in round three. I'm getting Mahomes, Allen, or Hurts. Like I want one of those guys on my team. Those are the top three quarterbacks consensus wise. And right now in fantasy, those are the top three quarterbacks. Mahomes, Allen Hurts. I forget what order. I think it's I think it's Allen Hurts Mahomes, maybe. I don't know. They are the QB one, two, and three in fantasy. But behind them, we have not seen a ton of consistency, man. Sam Howell, the QB8. He has bad games, but he has good games too. And we saw it today. Jahan Dotson had a little bit of a bounce back. I will say, I will say, like Dotson, Sam Howell threw the ball 52 times. 52 fucking times, which is wild. Um, Dotson had 10 targets. So when you really look at that target share, that's less than 20%. I want to say that's like 17%. In games where Sam Howell throws the ball 33 times, that's like four or five targets for Dotson. This is not something I feel is predictable going forward. I will say, though, Curtis Samuel came into the game with like a foot injury and then left with a toe injury. Maybe they're the same thing. I don't know why they'd label him differently, but that's something to keep an eye on because if Curtis Samuel is out, he's been like a really, really sneaky big part of this offense. If he's out, that opens the door for other players like, Jameson Fucking Crowder came in here, went seven for ninety five and a touchdown. But what it does is it does, in my opinion, open the door more for guys like Jahan Dotson. But everybody kind of got home in the passing game. You had Dotson eight for one hundred eight and a touchdown. No, I don't trust him. Jameson Crowder seven for ninety five and a touchdown. That slot rolls nice in Washington. Terry McLaurin five for sixty three and a touchdown. Beautiful touchdown grab from him. Logan Thomas got home six for forty four and a touchdown. So in games like this, yeah, like. Howell's going to play well against defenses that um, aren't great versus the pass, which Philly isn't. They're great versus the run, but they're not great versus the pass. And Sam Howell can get it done in that in that conjecture, you know? So um, I'm not back in on Dotson. I, I loved him this summer, and then I fucking dropped him like two weeks ago in one of my leagues. I wonder if whoever picked him up, someone picked him up, and I was like, enjoy the fucking show. I wonder if he started him this week. That would be fucking heartbreaking. I need water. Water. Brb. I don't know if this counts as water. It's it, it it's sparkling water. You know what's weird? I've, I've gotten totally, I I never liked seltzer. Like I kind of hated seltzer actually my whole life. And then I started drinking LaCroix like two years ago or maybe two years ago, a year ago. And I'm obsessed with them, but there's something in me that feels like they're fake water. Like, um, I don't feel like I get hydrated from them at all. I feel like they fake hydrate me. Like for instance, if I were to, when I wake up, the first thing I do, you hydrate before you caffeinate. The very first thing I do straight up every single day is I chug a full water bottle. 16 ounces goes down my throat. Pause. It's The first thing I do, I hydrate. A lot of the times I'll, I'll grab a second water bottle. I won't chug it, but I'll, I'll start drinking it, right? I get hydrated immediately. Anytime I start downing water bottles, like I, I know I'm fucking hydrated. I'm drinking water. Sometimes I drink like three or four of these in a row, and I swear I don't have to pee for like two hours, and my next piss is, is yellow. It's like I'm dehydrated. There's something in this shit. It's obviously some like artificial fake flavoring. Ingredients. Only carbonated water, comma, naturally essenced. That naturally essence shit, I feel like is a whole lot of fagazi. It feels like all this does is make my mouth wet. It doesn't actually hydrate me at all. I'm going to need a scientist to back that up and confirm that, please. But it is what it be, you know? The fuck was I talking about? The Texans Panthers. What a terrible game. Um the backfield in Houston is just a, it's a it's a tragedy, man. They're still split like 60 to 40. Pierce fucking got in for a touchdown that they somehow ruled the touchdown. And then these fucking replays that these guys do, and they 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 say it every time when they're the announcers, they're like, they called this on the field. They have to have conclusive evidence no doubt about it convict beyond reasonable doubt in order to reverse it and then there's never a camera angle that they show us with these fucking things when they reverse it like there was not a camera angle that showed clearly that damien pierce didn't get into the end zone yet they just fucking reverse the call then they give the fucking touchdown to andrew stupid fucking beck and pierce doesn't get a touchdown that's what we're working with here he had one chance to get into the end zone didn't get it gave it a beck whatever Uh, The backfield's a tragedy right now, and they're still being split 60 to 40 right now. Very hard to trust anyone there. Down game. Here's the other takeaway I had. Here's the other big takeaway I had from this game, especially the passing game. The Texans. The only reason Tank Dell broke out in the beginning of the year, the only reason we got to see him break out was because Noah Brown got hurt. Noah Brown was the clear starter for the Texans in week one. Him and Nico and Robert Woods were the three guys. It was not Tank Dell. Noah Brown got hurt, and only, and only then did Tank Dell come in and play a full-time role and start to produce. And then he got hurt, obviously. And now Noah Brown is back. And everybody, including myself, I didn't even realize Noah Brown was back. But Tank Dell, coming off of the bye, coming off of the concussion where he missed a game, whatever, I thought he was in for a big game. I didn't realize Noah Brown was back, and that's not me. But they're very clearly in love with Noah Brown, which affects Tank Dell's snap numbers. I kind of want to look this up just to confirm what I'm saying. is not nonsense. But I'm pretty sure I saw and seen it with my own fucking eyes. Yeah, Robert was obviously out. Nico Collins, 81%. Noah Brown, 89%. Okay, so we did play in the week prior to the buy because Tank Dell was out. 90% of routes. Noah Brown, Tank Dell. Oh, Tank Dell also run 93% of the routes. But Noah Brown being on the field they funnel targets to him it's so odd dude they love Noah Brown they signed him to a deal this offseason and he is more of a problem for Tank Dell than I think we than I think we realized Um, so that's fucking annoying we'll put it that way but overall just a really bad day from CJ Stroud the Panthers coming off their bye came correct they got their first win shout out to Bryce uh, you really cannot start any running back back here as long as Sanders and Chuba are both active. Adam Thielen clearly still startable. Good to see Jonathan Mingo get that post bump, post buy rookie bump. Uh, four for sixty-two, probably his best game as a pro. Let's actually look at the stats and make sure he's actually running more routes. Carolina Thielen ninety-five percent, Chark eight ninety-five percent, Jonathan Mingo ninety-five percent. Which means they were in three wide receiver sets. Ninety five percent of the time. But good to see. Jonathan Mingo is now a full time player for the most part. Um, but he, I guess he has been post uh, pre-buy. He was ninety five percent, eighty two percent. Now he's back up to ninety eight percent. So maybe he's a sneaky buy. Maybe he's a guy over the second half of the season, like we see with a lot of rookies kind of go yonkers here. Um, No other real takeaways, I don't think, from the Panthers. Brown, Seahawks. Uh, Seahawks kind of lucky to, sh- to sneak away with this game. Jerome Ford, oddly played. I thought he was going to be out with like a high ankle sprain, but uh, Kareem Hunt, Pierre Strong, Jerome Ford, those three guys, no one saw more than 36% of the snaps. No one saw fewer than 31% of the snaps. Kareem Hunt still seems to be the guy to own here, but as Jerome Ford gets more healthy, does that snap split kind of flip backwards in favor of Ford. they're using all three of them which makes it really difficult but cream hunt does seem to be the preferred um goal back, and the guy who's just i think he scored like five touchdowns over the last three or four games so he's the guy i want in my fantasy lineup until we see otherwise maybe deshaun watson's back next week i don't fucking know dude i think they play the cardinals so that would be a good a good game uh to get right and, and get deshaun watson back but clearly the shoulder injury is a little bit more serious than um than we knew about and that they're letting on. So yeah. On the flip side, uh Gino played, I mean, a little sporadic, but he made some great plays. He made some boneheaded plays. Everybody in the passing game ate a little bit. Lockett ate for eighty one. Touchdown. Nice to see him have a bounce back game. Again, this is just kind of what you get from this passing game. You have Lockett games, you have Metcalf games. JSN still running around sixty-five percent of the snaps so right back to where he was with DK Metcalf back in the lineup but he does get a touchdown there so kind of saved your fantasy day if you ended up starting him not really someone I'm dying to get into my lineups um, going forward just because the play time is still you know kind of where it's been all year backfield was a little bit weird Zach Charbonnet did take over the full-time like passing role in third and fourth down situations Um, I think a lot of this split, you know, Kenneth Walker 8 for 66 on the ground, Charbonnet 5 for 53, played a lot into the fourth quarter. I think a lot of it had to do with just that like midweek calf injury that popped up for Kenneth Walker. Um, So they kind of limited his snaps a little bit in this one. I do not expect this to be a full-blown committee going forward. I still think it's going to be very similar to like what we had in the beginning of the year where it was Kenneth Walker's backfield and Zach Charbonnet is just a very good breather back. He had five carries, guys. Let's not get fucking no pun intended carried away here. Chiefs, Broncos. Uh I don't I don't know. I'm just throwing this one out for the um for the Chiefs. Like we can say all the things about Mahomes had the flu. He's also playing at altitude. He's playing in tough weather. Yeah. Say all those things if you want. I think uh Rashi Rice still seeing five targets more than any other wide receiver, four for fifty six with the return of Justin Watson. This was one of my concerns. I talked about it a lot again on the Sid Start Show on Saturday. Was like Rashi Rice kind of held back a little bit just because when all these guys are healthy again, I didn't expect to see Justin Watson this soon. The target list starts to get more um, or less, less funneled and less condensed. Now you're seeing all these guys do we have fucking 15 players have targets in this game. That's what the, that's what the chiefs offense is. But I, I still think they really, really want Rashi rice to be uh, the guy here in the receiver core on the flip side. Um, Javante Williams, man, Javante Williams, 30 touches. They are buying into the fact that he is now their workhorse. Again, we're not going to see many game scripts like this where the Broncos are, you know, winning and just being able to kind of like pound the clock away. But if you just look at the the share of touches, obviously Javante Williams, 27 touches, 27 carries. Jaleel McLaughlin, just four carries. Um, Javante had the most targets in the backfield. He seems to be top 15, uh, really nice, like running back two going forward. As he gets, you know, as the weeks go by, he's getting more and more removed from the ACL tear. He's still not efficient whatsoever. They're giving him a lot of work, but he's not explosive, as you can see, 3.1 yards per carry. Um, But the volume is going to be there. And their defense has been way fucking better over the last month or so than it was. I mean, it couldn't have gotten any worse, obviously. But they're starting to round into shape, like 9 points, 17 points, 19 points. 31 is not good, obviously. But, I mean, beginning of the year, letting up 35, 70, of course. Broncos are starting to get into shape a little bit. We'll see. Obviously, the trade deadline again is tomorrow. We've heard nothing but rumors about Judy and Sutton getting moved. Who do we want to stash? Like everyone, their mother is saying Marvin Mims. But here's the thing, like Marvin Mims is still playing the exact number. I don't know if he plays above Brandon Johnson and Lil Jordan Humphrey. I also think as a community. We, haven't, we really haven't talked enough about how insane the name Lil Jordan Humphrey is. thoughts it's one of the most outrageous names maybe of all time little apostrophe jordan humphrey they're not on this list because they didn't get targeted but they had the same amount of snaps ran the same amount of routes as mims did he's not necessarily playing above them i don't even know if judy or Sutton gets moved if that unlocks anything for mims so i don't fucking know we'll see ravens Cardinals. This was just the Gus game. Three touchdowns? What the hell? Guy got in three times. I mean, it could have broke anyway. Zay Flowers, disappointing, man. This was like a blow-up spot for him. I know everybody was kind of super, super high on him. Seven targets led the team, but five for 19. His average depth of target is, is just abysmal it's kind of been that way more often than not when he makes a big player when he gets a big target down the field it is the outlier not the consensus and not predictable slash projectable so I think we just need to keep that in mind going forward when it comes to Zay Flowers it's a nice building block for them he is like clearly their top target right now as a wide receiver but it has not really parlayed into a lot of production so I think we just weigh that in with rankings going forward and Gus Edwards I guess like especially in game scripts like this when they're playing against the fucking Cardinals who do they play next week Play the Seahawks. Seahawks have actually been pretty damn good run defense. Play the Browns. That's a good run defense as well. So I'll be lower on Gus, but I think he just gets so many goal line opportunities at this point that he's like a back end RB two most most more often than not. On the flip side, Cardinals. They play the Browns. Um, they came out and said that Kyler Murray would not be the starter next week. That Josh Dobbs would be the starter for Week Nine. I think that's a smart move. Give him one more week, and then they get a much softer matchup at home. In week 10. So let Josh Dobbs play against the Cleveland Browns. Mario DeMarcado again gets a absolute workhorse role. Guy has 21 fucking useless touches in this game. Once again, I think next week is the last week that James Connor um, will be on the IR for. I think he's missed three games up to this point. Next week will be the fourth game. So again, like DeMarcado is not really doing anything besides giving you 85 useless yards cool, I guess, but it is what it is. The big takeaway here is fucking Trey McBrizzy. Finally breakout game. Zach Ertz goes on the IR, goes on the injured reserve. And I think like anybody with a brain, anybody with eyeballs was kind of hoping this would be the case all season that McBride McBride would just be the guy. I got a lot of McBride in Dynasty. Got a decent amount of him in best ball. 14 targets, leads the team by far. 10 catches, 95 yards, and a touchdown. (coughs) Again, he was the first tight end picked in his class he was the Mackey award winner best tight end in all of college football before he came out this guy can play ball man he is without a doubt well I guess depending on like how your waiver wire went last week obviously Kincaid got picked up I'm gonna assume Taysom Hill got picked up but I've I don't know people in discord were talking about how like Taysom Hill is available in, in their league so um both of them are top tier, top priority pickups this week for sure. Also, speaking on the Discord, free to join. Free to join. Link down below. Um, if you are a Big Dog member, again on BDG.co, where the waiver wire rankings will come out next week, uh, there's a private channel within Discord called the Big Dog Chat um, where we talk more in depth about these things. But Trey McBride, uh, excited to see what happens when Kyler's back, man. Like Michael Wilson, again, sneaky, just like compiling stats, not really doing anything huge. But he's running 95% of the routes. He is a very, very much full-time player. I'm excited to see McBride, Wilson, and Brown when Kyler Murray is back under center. Bengals Niners. I'll just, I will just want to first put out, like, I know Brock Purdy played relatively. He made some bad decisions. He made some bad plays, but for the most part, he played fine. He played fucking fine. He made some great plays. He made some awesome plays. Um, And then also on this note, when I was saying with like Will Levis before and the EPA of the passing offense for the Titans was surprisingly underwhelming, the EPA of the 49ers offense in this one was the fourth highest performance of any team this entire season. So a lot of the score outcome of this game was predicated on the fact that the turnovers that they had, the boneheaded plays that Purdy made came in the wrong part of the field. Otherwise, he's fine. Darnold's not playing over him. I just don't understand the hard-on that everybody has for Sam Darnold. Like, he played for the... He was Zach Wilson before Zach Wilson. He was awful for the Jets. He was the same guy that was seeing ghosts. He was the joke of the league. And now... Like we think he's like a Hall of Fame player. It just the the Sam Darnold story arc makes no fucking sense to me. It never will. Uh, but Debo was out again, so everything got kind of condensed to Kittle, Ayuk, and C-Mac. That's you know nothing to take away there. On the flip side, Joe Burrow looks so good. He's fully fucking back. Obviously, um, they ran plays under center, the highest rate that they have all year. They were running play action plays under center at the highest rate they were all year. That was something that they could not do prior. As you can see, Joe Burrow right here, 6 for 43 on the ground. Dude was running. Dude was moving. Dude made a statement saying, my calf is fucking fine. Stop talking about my body parts. Stop talking about below the waist. If you're going to talk about me below the waist, don't talk about my calf. Talk about something else. That's what Joe Burrow came out and said. Jamar Tace, 10 for 100 and a tuggy. T Higgins, 5 for 69. Good to see a little bit of a bounce back game. He was another one that I was a little bit skeptical putting into a lot of lineups. I didn't have a major day. Like if you were in half PPR, it gave you like 9 points, full PPR, nearly 12. So relatively good. um Higgins, I was just still concerned if he was healthy or not. But the entire the entire Cincinnati team looked great in this one. And they feel like they are fully back to form. Joe Burrow is fully healthy. 4-3 and three on the season. Let's look at the schedule coming up. They got the Bills, ooh, primetime game. Next week's next week's games are fucking fantastic, man. They got they got a pretty tough schedule though. Bills, that can go either way. Texans, they should win at Ravens, that's tough. Home versus Steelers, they should win. At Jacksonville's really tough, but then they could they can go on a little bit of a run here. Indy, Minnesota, Pittsburgh, then they play at Kansas City versus Cleveland. They got a tough they got a tough schedule, but they're a tough team obviously, so should be fun to see how they finish down the stretch. Chicago versus the Chargers. The Chargers walk away with a 30 to 13 victory. This was one of Herbert's better games. But again, it comes against the Chicago defense like everybody fucking relax. The, the Chicago Bears just let up an insane number of targets and receptions to the running back position. And just like they, they don't necessarily they're not really built right now to let up big explosive plays. So whoever plays them, who they play next? They play this. Oh my God! Alvin Kamara might catch 15 passes next week. Whatever his reception line is on underdog, we're gonna. I'm already telling you, higher, higher. Whatever it is, higher. Four and a half, higher. Six and a half, higher. Forty two and a half, fucking higher. Um, disappointing kind of backfield performance here. Roshan makes his return, but it's not really involved. Um, six carries for 21 yards. He does get four targets, but doesn't really turn into anything. The backfield was completely split between Deonta Foreman, Roshon Johnson, Darrington Evans. Darrington Evans was the one who got the touchdown, um, but they all had between 30 and 35% of the snaps. So it's extremely unclear. Who we can rely on despite Deonta Foreman going fucking nuts the last few weeks. Right now you can't really start um, any of those guys because they do play again, the Saints, and they have a very tough run defense. Cole Comet, nice game, 10 for 79. DJ Moore, 4 for 55. This is like the prototypical DJ Moore game when Tyson Badgett is out there. He had two interceptions. Um, it's possible that Justin Fields plays next week. He's still recovering, so we don't really have word on that yet. On the flip side, um, Quentin Johnson was kind of forced into a nice role. He looked a little bit better, starting to get a little bit more comfortable. So good to see there. Austin Eckler, huge bounce back game, obviously. Went for nearly a buck 30 from scrimmage. Touchdown, much of that through the air, of course. Not a lot of success on the ground, but that's why you pick Austin Eckler, for him to fucking get it done through the air little bit disappointing for Keenan Allen, but PPR, he brings it home for you. Other than that, Donald Parham, 4-for-43 and a touchdown with Gerald Everett out. If Gerald Everett continues to miss time, Donald Parham's kind of like a sneaky tight end. But again, Chicago Bears, pass defense. Let's not act like Justin Herbert's a fucking goat again. Because they'll probably lose to a bad team next week. Oh, no. Let's make some underdog picks for y'all. I promise I would do that. (laughs) Promise I'd do that for y'all. So we have the free square of. Who is it? Who done did it? Um, Jared Goff tonight. Again, if you are a new member to Underdog Fantasy, if you have never signed up before, please head over to underdogfantasy.com. Download the app. The link down below in the description will take you directly to your app store, regardless of what type of fucking phone that you are on. Use promo code bdge when you sign up and they will double they'll double whatever you deposit first of all so if you deposit 10 you'll have 20 if you, they do it all the way up to 500 dollars so if you deposit 500 you'll have a thousand dollars in your account to play with and then they give you a free square absolute bank bankable money right there jared goff over 0.5 yards tonight against the raiders let's see who else we've got in terms of squares that we like for the nfl Jimmy G returns 253 against Detroit. Feels really fucking high. How many passing yards has Detroit let up over the last few weeks? Have they been getting torched through the air? That feels wildly high. Can anyone else? I guess Lamar torched him, but like, Lions, I need to look this up real quick because that stands out to me as an easy under. I guess they're pretty banged up on defense too. Detroit 23rd in the league, allowing 240.6. I don't know, man. At Detroit, I'm I'm taking the lower here. That just it feels like the first one that kind of yells off to me, 253 point. That's too high. That's too high for Jimmy G. What's he been doing? Yeah, I'm 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 about that right there. <laughs> Josh Jacobs, three receptions. I like the more on that as well, but, you know, we'll take one because we have Jared Goff, so we have to pick a Vegas player. Um, Jacoby Myers is a guy that I feel like he's easy money more often than not. They now moved him up to five receptions. I feel like normally he's at four and a half, and he typically hits that number, but he typically hits it regardless. So they have Jimmy G projected for a lot of – let me move this over, actually. They have Jimmy G projected for a lot of throwing opportunities, obviously, and Jacoby Myers is like a smash fucking – play every week so I'm, I'm gonna go higher on Jacoby Myers oh you moved it down in the middle you sons of bitches Michael Mayer I kind of like Michael Mayer too now he's like everyone was really hyped about him two weeks ago and then he had a bust week but Detroit actually lets up a shitload of points and production to the tight end position um but I, maybe I shouldn't do all this uh correlation of like I don't like Jimmy G to have a huge day, but I'm taking all of the overs on the Raiders passing numbers. It's not very smart. Let's look at Detroit. Gibbs. They have Gibbs at 103 and a half total yards. That feels so high. I get it. Trust me, I get it. Oh, man. I'm going lower. I'm going... that. I, I don't feel good about it, but, like, that that just feels too high to begin with. Like he can have a good game and go way under that. The only line they have a Craig Reynolds is the touchdown at 1.75. That's ridiculous. Jameson Williams, Sam Laporta. Ooh, I like Sam Laporta over four receptions, too. That feels kind of good. Josh Reynolds over two and a half. That feels sexy as well. Fuck it. Let's rip this slip right here. Let's rip this. So a 50 spot on it for a thousand bucks. Oh, we hitting this for show. Should we put some insurance? I never do the insurance. You guys bet insurance when you do these. It's like you're allowed to miss on one of them, but you get paid out way less. Obviously I'm going, I'm going regular. Fuck it. We ball. I'm going a 50 spot on this slip right here. Jimmy G Jacoby Jameer Laporta, Josh Reynolds, Steen. And there you have it. That is the week eight game by game recap. I hope y'all enjoyed. Make sure you're subscribed to the channel. If you're new here, make sure you are turning the notifications on because we will be going live multiple times per week. We also have videos going live every single day. So the notifications let you know. When we drop those videos, tomorrow will be the waiver wire video that goes live around noon Eastern time, but you can also just get the rankings for waiver wire at noon Eastern time, bdge.co, bdge, put a little period there co. sign up to be a big dog member, get access to our waiver wire rankings, our weekly rankings, our private Q and assault live stream every Saturday to help y'all with your sit starts and the private discord channel. I'm out of here. I love y'all. See you tomorrow.